Hi, and welcome to People Powered Tech, a podcast powered by Profit Optics. We're a technology consulting firm that unlocks innovation for companies. I'm your host, Greg Stivers. Our guest today is Lori Pachaco. Lori is Profit Optics Managing Director focused on the manufacturing industry. Lori, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Greg. Happy to be here. Well, we're excited to have you here and super excited for you to share your insights and experience with our audience. All right. We have a topic that frankly should be relevant to everyone listening. But before we jump in, we always start with a person. After all, without people, there would be no tech. So let our listeners know more about you, both personally and professionally. All right. So personally, I am married with five kids at home, ages 8 to 14. It's like the 12 days of Christmas. We've got one soccer player, two gymnasts, and a baseball player. We've got two dogs, an older Australian shepherd, Pepper, who's experiencing her second puppyhood with our latest addition to the family, a one-year-old blue-heeled cattle dog, Cairo. So we are always busy. Professionally, uh, I followed my parents' footsteps to Taylor University in Upland, Indiana, started my career as a supply chain analyst at McKesson. I followed my love of data and process automation to the BI team there, where um, I ultimately ended up running the data warehouse and the BI organization for making the jump to Capital One. Capital One, I was an integrated BSA turned technical product owner. I worked in the retail bank, the rewards, short-lived e-commerce play, home loans, and small business. And then six and a half years ago, I made the jump to consulting at Profit Optics, and the rest is history. Mm. Well, we're lucky to have you. You know, Lori, as we jump into this, there's been a lot of chatter recently about revenue in metrics, in board decks, in LinkedIn posts. But while revenue is obviously important and, and really a critical component, it's, more, it's, it's also important to evaluate both revenue and expense to see the full profitability picture. In our experience, companies both large and small leave money in the form of lost profits on the table every day. Can you share some examples of how those profit dollars are being left on the table and not being realized? All right. So let's look at each piece of that larger profitability picture. So revenue, what everyone talks about, that's the money we don't want our clients to leave sitting on the table. In some situations, we see our clients are chasing new customers without focusing on growing their existing customer relationships. On the flip side, sometimes we see our clients trying to grow organically within their existing portfolio, overlooking strategic opportunities to acquire new customers. On the expenses side, those are the opportunities where our clients shouldn't be putting the money on the table in the first place. And the single greatest point of lift that we see with our clients is solid cost to price management, where they're not passing on those cost changes into their prices for their customers. The other seemingly universal opportunity are those heavily manual processes that every organization still has hiding in the wings. This means companies are incurring a significant labor cost alongside the opportunity cost of more strategic work that they could take on as a trade-off. Okay, you mentioned a bit of the how, but why are these profit dollars being left on the table? Yeah, that's a great question. So it's going to sound dramatic, but the single greatest obstacle to clarity is visibility to the actual state of the business operations. Many organizations just don't understand how their business actually operates. That really happens in three different spaces, really big spaces, but three different spaces, Um, their data, their resource allocation and operations, and then their expense allocations. All right. Well, let's let's definitely pick those apart a little bit. So data obviously is one of these things that every company has. Not everyone understands how to the complexity or how to get access to it or even why it isn't more simple to get to. So talk to us about the data impact on this this profit challenge. Yeah. So there's two major components even within the data space, um, and that's your customer master data and your product master data. 
So within the customer space, a lot of organizations, for a lot of different reasons, some good reasons, some bad, have duplicate customer records, triplicate customer records. I don't even know what it's called when you get past that. (laughs) They simply don't understand the relationships that they have with their own customers. And on the product side, there are a lot of organizations that have incomplete or incorrect product data. And that can create everything from challenges with unit of measure conversion, um, all the way to understanding what the regulatory requirements are for a particular item. You did measure example. If you sell 50 cases at the same price as 50 eaches, uh, it's not only going to cost you a lot in terms of the product itself and the, the cost to ship it, um, but also in reputation. It's a pretty awkward drop-off to show up with something that's that far skewed, um, and it can really have devastating consequences for the organization. Got it. All right. So that's data, and I'm guessing we're going to come back to that. But you also mentioned efficient resource allocation. Yeah. So from a resource perspective, this isn't an immediate layoff comment. You know, you need to go and cut your teams in half. This really is about the highest and best use of your people. And if those people don't have the tools they need to be strategic, they're going to be in constant fire drill mode. When you're in constant fire drill mode, you're in that survival headspace and you don't really have that availability mentally to evaluate the big picture and make those meaningful decisions that are going to move your company forward means you're missing the guardrails that you need. You don't have the traceability or auditability to be confident in and educated about your actual operations. So again, just really understanding what your people are doing and how they're doing it uh, is going to give you that visibility that you need. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. And so many people are so kind of stressed when they think about, you know, does this mean I just have to cut a bunch of people? And obviously that's not what we're talking about here necessarily. That's about making them more efficient um, so they can scale better. But you talked about data, you talked about resources, Talk to us about shared services and, and, and where it fits in, into this as well. Yeah, so shared services are those horizontal expenses. Um, most of us think about profitability of a particular widget as being acquisition cost compared to your selling price. So are you selling it for more than what you paid to get it? That's really important that you have that basic formula, but it, if you're obscuring the expenses that lay across your entire portfolio, you're really missing. That's that big picture. So if it costs $5 to bring in inventory, You also need to consider the freight cost of the truckload that brought it to you, the R&D of the original concept, the salary of the marketing group that did the branding, the salary of the sales team that drove the sale. I mean, there's so many things that go into actually doing business. And those costs are incurred as a whole. Sometimes they're at the product line. Sometimes they're at the geographic level, depending on how you're organized. Um, There is no right answer to allocating those expenses. The key really is that you have to allocate them in some sort of way, be intentional and be consistent. And that's where we see systems really coming into play so that you know what you're doing so that it is repeatable and you can do it at scale. All right, Lori. So that's a great understanding of kind of a little bit more of the why. So in your experience, what can businesses do or what can be done to help these businesses or our listeners attack these problems? There are a lot of things to be done, Greg, (laughs) but really it all starts with going back to the basics. Um, And we've talked a lot about data and we're going to keep talking about data. So the first thing you need to do really is clarify your universe of data, understand what all of the relevant elements are so that you can create this full picture of your profitability Um, and make sure you have access to all of that data. Sometimes there are things that we simply can't get to. And if that happens, if you can't allocate it or calculate certain expenses or even income, Figure out what your margin needs to be so that you can do those detailed calculations and come up with the right kind of buffer so that you know you're protected when you consider your overall organization profitability. So you mentioned uh, customers, products, 
expenses. Talk to us more a little bit about that. Yeah. So once you have that inventory, it's really important that you evaluate the integrity of it. Just having the data doesn't necessarily get you anywhere. So in the customer space, do you have duplicates that need consolidation? Ideally, you're going to do that at the source. Go back to your customer master of record and clean it up there. But if you need to, in terms of attacking things and getting things started, you could do it as a standalone analysis in order to overcome system constraints, or if you really just need that pulse check to validate the opportunity, that it's going to be worth it to go down that path, making changes within your actual system. Okay. Again, you talked about the data. You talked about the customers, the product expenses. What about beyond the data? So beyond the data is when you look at your operations and really evaluate that highest and best use. What kind of manual work is being done today that could be automated? Not all manual work can be automated. Manual work in and of itself is, is not an evil Um, But there's typically opportunities within an organization that you can automate things that are being done manually. And you have to recognize there that you're going to spend money to save money, but you're going to pay yourself that money back many times over by putting those guardrails and the auditability and the strategic, making those strategic tasks possible. And so once they've worked to get a better handle on, you know, the customers, the products, the operations, my guess is that's frankly where the real fun begins. That is exactly right. So creating that foundation, making sure you know what data is relevant, making sure you understand the data, you have clean data, and now you can do interesting things with it. And that is when the real fun begins. Um, So some examples of things that we've done with our customers, we take a look at their sales history to score their customer loyalty and identify retention risks. We call it RFM, Recency, Frequency, and Monetary Evaluation. This will help inform your sales team strategy. You can reward loyalty or identify focus areas where you want to grow your relationships. Um, The other positive but also negative side effect of this is you can identify customers that are likely already lost and then make a strategic decision about whether or not you want to invest in chasing those customers. So RFM is definitely something I've seen our clients really benefit from. Um, I think there's another area that we've talked to customers about, and that's really evaluating their wallet share. Can you kind of explain that concept a little bit better? Yeah. So uh, when we do a wallet share analysis, we segment our clients' customers and we segment their products and create kind of a matrix to identify what product categories certain types of customers are purchasing. And when we look at that and we see that there's outliers within those segments, so let's say you break down in a healthcare space, long-term care, acute care, and primary care. If you see that one primary care customer is buying a different product set than other primary care customers, you've identified an opportunity to go in and have a conversation with them. That's awesome. So when we think about the product segmentation and evaluating margin, can you talk maybe a little bit, maybe a client example of what we've done there and, and, and maybe just to try to triangulate back to other people that, are, that may be listening? Sure. So by doing the segmentation, it really allows us to take a strategic look at the way that products are laid out, whether you're combining it with customer data for wallet share or doing a margin or absolute price comparison. Um, So when we lay things out at the product segment level, we want to identify instances where products aren't priced consistently with other like products. And there's a bunch of different situations that can lead to that. At the end of the day, it's all leakage. It's all money that's being left on the table, um, either by pricing too low um, or by reducing your sales volume by pricing too high. You can also price too high and your margin may look great, but you're not going to sell as many of those widgets as you would otherwise. Um, And one of the reasons that things often end up in those outlier categories is because you don't have that connection between your cost and your price management. And so the into stock cost or the raw goods uh, 
expense may increase. And so you're costing more to get or create your inventory. Um, but if you're not raising the price on the customer side, then you're not recognizing the, the same margin that you would otherwise. All right, Lori. Well, for the audience, can you tell us, maybe just walk us through some of the characteristics of a company that may be going through certain things that may be more applicable and ready for, for your attack plan, as well as who are the types of roles that we're working with at clients or that you've worked with at clients that most, you know, kind of respond well, react well, and get the results that you described here? Yeah, that's a great question. So earlier I was dramatic. Now I'm going to be a little bit cheesy. <laughs> um, the real answer is we have yet to work with someone who didn't identify some kind of opportunity as we look across their landscape, whether it's data or operational. And as far as the people that we work with, um, really, again, it's it's all levels of the organization. Anyone who has a vested interest in doing things better, we've worked with CFOs, COOs, CEOs, we've worked with pricing directors, data management teams, sales ops and sales leadership, customer service, PMOs. We've also worked with PE firms that are working to advise and guide um, their portfolio companies. So there's really opportunity, especially as we talk about data and operations. I mean, that's the entire backbone of an organization. And so there are a lot of different opportunities that we can evaluate and based on, you know, the, the interest of the organization and the different roles within the organization, um, we'll plug in exactly where we need to. Yeah, that's great. And I, I would say that a couple of the other characteristics that we traditionally see are companies with a lot of volume. So higher volume transactions, as well as unique pricing for customer, right? Correct. I mean, if you're, if you're selling the same price to the, to the, to the consumers that, it, I mean, there's, there's a lot of pricing strategies involved in that. But the, the, the kind of the profit leakage that we're talking about here, I think those would be a couple of characteristics. Any Agreed. others that you would that you would highlight? I think organizations that have had a significant amount of M&A type business are uh -huh. also a great opportunity for us. Um, as we talk about, you know, really cleaning your foundational data, those are instances where organizations very quickly find themselves with a mix of um, complicated customer data, complicated product data. And so coming in and really clearing that foundation for them really sets them on the right path for everything else that follows. Yeah. And in that example, multiple ERPs, maybe they've been integrated, maybe they haven't certainly different, didn't different data strategies, a exactly. lot, a lot, lot to wrestle with there. And different rules too. We talked a little bit about how there's different ways to segment things and allocate things. And it's not always one right answer, but it should be the same answer every time. And so when you're combining organizations and cultures, those answers may have been very different over time and figuring out how to reconcile all of that. Um, yeah, huge pain points. Well, you're making my head spin a little bit. I mean, these are big concepts. And I just wonder, does the phrase, do not try this at home apply here? <laughs> <laughs> and the answer to that, like so many things is, it depends. Um, if you have the skills, if you have the experience, if you have the bandwidth, sometimes that's the challenge, right? This isn't a matter of you can't do it. It's that you can't do everything all at once. Um, and so finding a partner like Profit Optics to come in and really walk you through that proven playbook of foundational data first, evaluate your operations, and that can really jumpstart your activities so that you don't have to sit and wonder where you're starting. The key point in all of this is really just getting started. And so you might listen to this and think, all right, product data is where I need to go. I think that's our biggest opportunity. You may go look at your product data and find it's not nearly as bad as you thought, but you don't know what you don't know. And so getting started and um, really taking action in these spaces is the best thing that you can do, whether it's with a partner or whether you start on your own. 
Yeah. Great point. Great, great suggestions. Well, I can't wait to have you back. We're so glad you were here today. Uh, but before you go, we close every show with a lightning round of rapid fire questions so we can all get to know you and maybe react, relate to you a little bit better. Uh, are you good with that? Sure. Okay, go. cool. All right, here we go. Morning or night person? Depends on the day. <laughs> there was a late night baseball practice. I'm going to say a night person. If there's an early morning gymnastics meet, we got to be the early morning person. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Ebook or physical book? Physical book. All day long. No, All day no long. debate there. Yep. You okay. can't write in an ebook. Fair enough. Phone app that you could not live without? Google Calendar. All right. No hesitation. <laughs> Where am I going next? Mm -hmm. Favorite book of the past year? Hold On But Don't Hold Still by Christina Kuzmik. It's a lot of great stories. It's mostly a biography, but kind of an inspirational story as nice. well. Nice. Good. That was, that's a new one for me, so I'll look that one up. All right. Your favorite moment of the past year? So this is going to be a little bit cheesy, but that's all right. Hopefully all the parents out there can relate. So we are often busy and on the go. I mentioned all the sports and things like that. But we recently got this new couch, and um, it's ridiculous. It's ginormous. It fits all of us. Um, and two of the last three nights, the kids have just been sitting around the couch, watching football, playing football. We did a football fantasy draft last night. They were all sitting around and just decided, hey, the season's almost over, but let's do a family one anyway. Um, so seeing the girls get excited and into that, again, we do a lot of big moments, uh, as a family, but the really simple stuff is, is what counts. I love it. I love it. All right. Final question. If you weren't working in tech, what would you do for a living? Ooh, that's a hard one. There's so many interesting things in the world. So my 13 year old has some pretty severe food allergies and something that I would love to do is make food more accessible to folks that have to deal with with that. So I would love to have a food allergy bakery, um, set something up local, do a coffee shop bakery kind of concept, and then um, also make things available, you know, of course, through technology, um, through some sort of e-commerce presence to, to really get it out there in the world. Completely different space than what I'm in day to day, but something that I would love to be able to do, maybe I, someday. I love it, I love it. Well, as a dad who almost lost a daughter to a food allergy, I may be your first customer, so I love it. Um, well, great job. Lori, my guess is there will be listeners who would love to pick your brain or bounce additional ideas off of you by tapping into your expertise. So where can they find you? Sure. So the easy answer, so that you don't have to spell my name, is the Profit Optics <laughs> website. Um, if you send in uh, information on our contact form, that'll end up getting routed to me. If you are daring, you can look me up on LinkedIn. Um, also, probably through the Profit Optics Connection, I'll be listed there. But my uh, name is L-A-U-R-I-E. Pachaco is P-A-C-I-O-C-C-O. -C -C -O, um, so you can also find me there. Perfect. Perfect. Well, to all of our audience, thank you for listening. Uh, make sure you subscribe and don't miss an episode. Finally, keep smiling. And remember, that it is people that power the technology that can make your business grow. If you want to meet people that live that daily or want to ask questions about how technology can impact your business, hit us up at pod.profitoptics.com. Thanks for listening to People Powered Tech. Profit Optics produces the show. We are a technology consulting company that designs and delivers data and software solutions to help companies unlock innovation. Learn more at profitoptics.com. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast. Share this episode with a colleague, 
and rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform.